So in addition to Sunday service, we have life groups throughout the week. If you want to check them out, it's on the board right there, life groups there. Or you can check it out online, see what the different options are. We'd love for you to join us. All right, so a couple special announcements today. Today is the last day to register and pay the full payment for the retreat, okay? Say today. Today is the day, y'all. So uh, after service, in the back will be Thomas and some staff back there to kind of help you out with details. If that is something that you are interested in, you want to finish out. Uh, we'll just look forward to that weekend. It's special to kind of get away uh, and just really hear from the Lord and connect with each other. We also have some more exciting news. Some of you guys got to eat the bomb food from breakfast this morning. Yeah. I believe there's some leftovers, so you might be able to get some afterwards. Uh, but exciting news, potluck Sundays are making a comeback. Yes, yes. So May 1st, it's the first of the month, is on a Sunday. May 1st, mark your calendars. Next week we'll have sign-ups, but already you could start imagining what sort of things you're going to be bringing to the potluck to share. Right, And lastly, we want to remind you, uh, you can follow New Life on a lot of platforms on the little bulletin sheet that you got. You'll have a list of all the different kind of platforms that we have. But if you wanted to catch a previous sermon, you could catch it on YouTube. You could even catch it on Spotify for you podcasters, okay? Uh, and you can also sign up for church events. Like, for example, it's like, hey, I didn't know there was breakfast this morning. Yeah. So what you could do is on here, right, you could text at new-life-c to the phone number 81010, right? And you'll be able to get those messages. Don't worry. You won't be bombarded by messages. They're just one-way text, right? But that way you could kind of keep up with what's going on in the life of the church. Okay. I would like to call up our pastor now. Thanks, brother. Oh, thanks, brother. It's good to see everybody. Happy Easter. Tell you what, we need to do breakfast more often around here. That was uh, pretty awesome. Uh, good to see everybody. Um, don't be falling asleep because of your food coma, okay, right now. Uh, but hey, can we thank, uh, so... Fedna coordinated it, but the, uh, Adriana, Teresa, Mark, Dave, Tom, everybody helped out with the breakfast. And then, not only did they help out, we got to thank them, but I guess the egg, whatever they're cooking the eggs on broke. So Lupe and Carla and Vicky rushed the eggs over to their house, cooked them and brought them back. Let's thank them all for a great breakfast. Mm. Yeah. Good times. Well, you know, in life, there is... A scale in everything that we do and align ourselves with, right? There's sort of the bad version, there's the okay, good version, then there's the great, the most excellent, perfect version that tops them all and cannot be topped. You know what I mean? So, you know, you've had bad breakfasts, you've had okay, pretty good breakfast, then you've had really good, and then the best breakfast of all time, which you can tell Fedna and everybody else it was today. You can lie a little bit, that's nice. Uh, but we've all had bad days. We've all had the good days. And then there's just a few days. Have you ever just laid in bed at the end of the day and you're just like, that was the greatest day of my life. That was, it just can't get any better than that, right? For athletes, they have their bad game performance, their good performance, and then the greatest, most perfect game of their life, right? Basketball players that miss a couple of the game-winning shots will tell you that 
Once they actually hit that game-winning shot, it's so good, the joy of it, it makes it all worth the misses that they've had before. For artists, it's their painting or their spoken word, their poem, their lyrics. When they finally get the most excellent, perfect one, you sit back and you go, all the bad was worth it. All the working out the okay art was worth it. I finally got the good, best one. How about parents? How about parents and days with kids? Come on, y'all, right? There's a lot of bad days when you got small kids in the house. Can I get an amen about that? Mm-hmm. Then there are some good days. And then every once in a while, all day long, the kids obey you. All day. Every once in a while, for one whole day, they were happy the whole day. Every once in a while, they're grateful. They, they, they actually thanked you for the food that you put in front of them. They actually eat all of the food and don't complain about it. They actually take a long nap, and you get to take a nap. They actually go to the bathroom where they're supposed to go to the bathroom. They actually go to bed early, and there's those little days when you just lay down as parents at 9 o'clock, and you're like, that was the greatest day I've ever had with my children. All the bad days are worth it. I can handle them all. I mean, we could just go down the list. Moments with friends, with significant partners, our jobs, with our family, the purpose we want our life to be about. There's a scale, and if you ever get to the, to the one most excellent, perfect moment, all the bad is worth it. Well, church, happy Easter. You see, if you put all the most excellent moments in every phase of our lives together, you still cannot match the glorious event and reality that we celebrate today. This is the day that we remember and celebrate the most glorious, victorious, stupendous, drop down on your knees, lift your hands, worship-worthy, praise-worthy reality of all realities Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. He's alive. He's won. He has won. And my prayer is that we will leave today with a deep conviction in our hearts that I can take on all the bad days that are coming in front of me. I can go after the suffering that's awaiting me when I walk out this door. It's all worth it because Jesus is alive. Stand with me if you're able. Let's read the scripture that is going to anchor us today. We are in the Gospel of Luke. We are in uh, Luke chapter 24. We're going to start here in verse 35. Then the two told what had happened on the way. Oh, I'll read it from here. Thank you. Here we go. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking that they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I'm not a ghost, because ghosts don't have bodies, as you see that I do. As he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. Still, they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. Then he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? 
they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he ate it as they watched. Then he said, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of all these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Then Jesus led them to Bethany, and lifting his hands to heaven, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. So they worshipped him, and they returned to Jerusalem filled with great joy. And they spent all of their time in the temple praising God. Jesus, we thank you that we are gathered together, that you have brought us out of bed into this place with our spiritual family, that we could be in your presence. We honor you and we worship you today for your victory over death. And we just say, Jesus, these words that have just been read are your words. They're given to us with your spirit that we would know you, that we would have this resurrection life in our own bones and blood. Come, Lord Jesus, and speak to us. We are here because we need your food. Come and speak. Remove distraction. Remove apathy. Remove all the things of the evil one. Lift the, the darkness. Lift the cover that wants to try to blind us from seeing you today. We need you, Holy Spirit of God. Come, Holy Spirit of God, and speak. We pray all this in your name. All God's people said, amen. You may have a seat. On the third day, after Jesus had died and was buried in a, in a tomb, grabbing the uh, text here, there we go, um, a different, little different translation than my Bible here, there we go. Um, on the third day after Jesus had died and was buried in the tomb, his original disciples and followers were in a state of shock and fear. We learn from other accounts that they were all hiding together. They were fearful that the same authorities who had brutally murdered Jesus uh, were, are going to come after them. They knew, knew they were being hunted because they were uh, the, the main center core of Jesus' movement. So they're hiding in fear. We also learn from other accounts that they are dealing with guilt and shame because they ran away. Right? They betrayed Jesus at his darkest hour. As Jesus got arrested and he's starting to get tortured, they take off. So they're both in fear and they're also in guilt and shame. That's a brutal combination. Y'all can, anybody can relate to that, being in fear, guilt, and shame. You don't, you don't think straight when you're in that place. Can I get an amen to that? Then on the third day of them being in this fear and guilt and shame, things get crazy and insane really fast for them. Female followers go to Jesus' tomb to anoint his body for permanent burial, which was the custom of the time. They get there, and there's no body, and angels appear to them. Remember what Jesus said? The angels say, you will not find him among the dead because he is alive. 
the women run out and they find the men and they tell them what happened. He's alive. He's not in the tomb. The angels came. Well, sadly, in this day, in this ancient time, and in this culture, women were not given dignity. They were not seen as credible. They were not even allowed legally to testify in court hearings as witnesses. I love Jesus. He intentionally makes sure that it's women who are the first to see the empty tomb and who are the first witnesses to his resurrection. Jesus always sees the underdog, amen? He always sees the marginalized. And he's always clear that his kingdom culture operates the opposite of our broken culture. His kingdom culture always operates opposite of our broken culture. But sure enough, after the women tell the men, Luke 23 verse 11 says, the story sounded like nonsense to the men so they didn't believe it. Not the first time that men got it wrong. However, Peter jumps up and runs to the tomb. The men didn't believe it, but then Peter sees an empty tomb, and now there's buzz going around. The original followers who are hiding, they're like, wait, what is going on? The women are saying they've seen angels. There's nobody in the tomb. Peter went, and there's nobody in the tomb. Where's his body? And then on this same day when all this is happening, Jesus all of a sudden starts backing up the lady's testimony when he starts appearing all over the place. Immediately before the text, we read, Two of his followers are walking out of the main city of Jerusalem, seven miles to a small village. Jesus appears and walks with them and talks with them. But they don't know that it's Jesus. They just think it's another dude walking with them. And they're trying to figure out what's going on with this empty tomb. And Jesus breaks down all the scriptures, showing how the prophecies had all pointed to Jesus dying and rising from the dead. They didn't realize it was Jesus the entire day until they arrive in the village and start eating with them. Then their eyes are opened up, and then Jesus just disappears. They, they, they break bread, it's Jesus, and then he poops, he's gone. They're so juiced up, these two guys, that they get up and they hustle seven miles back to the city to find the crew of disciples who are still in hiding, and they're buzzing, and they're like, we got another story to tell you. The women saw the angels. Peter said, there's no tomb. And now, Jesus just walked with us. And then he was right there, and then boom, he was gone. And then as we read, as soon as they start telling the whole room what had happened, Jesus appears in the room. And they're freaked out. Now, Jesus is smart. He knows that the first thing that needs to come out of his mouth is, peace be with you. I mean, these people are going nuts right now. Things are all getting crazy. I mean, can you imagine if he appears and he's like, ah! you know what I mean? They would have just lost it right there. You know what I mean? If he just appears and is like, what are you doing? And, uh, it's gone. I mean, they're just, they're just gone, right? He just, he knows everything's crazy. Appears, peace, peace be with you. Try to imagine how you would react if at some point during this service, the physical body of Jesus appears in the room and starts talking to us. Your reaction may be embarrassing to your family around you, okay? Shrieks, snorts, somebody might lose the breakfast that we just ate right there, right? Try to put yourself in the shoes, right? Um, but, oh, how worth it. What a moment in the life of these men and women. Three days ago, they saw his body beaten to death. Skin shredded all over his body to nothing but the inner flesh and blood, and now they're touching perfectly healed skin and a healthy physical body. 
Verse 41 says that they moved from startled and frightened to joy and wonder. That's a great transition. Startled, frightened, anxious, guilt, shame, to joy and wonder. Something is happening in my day right now that is turning me from fear and anxiety to joy and wonder. There is something in front of me that is moving me to a place that's like, what is coming next? Things are getting really good. I want to stop right here, and I want us to pray. Because I believe that as I keep teaching, and as we get into asking Jesus to show up today, that he can move us all from whatever place we're in to a place of joy and wonder. I believe that today isn't just talking about the fact that Jesus is alive, but it's actually living in the moment that the disciples got to live in. Maybe not as powerful, but living in the moment of Jesus being alive and giving us joy and wonder. Anybody else want a little bit of joy and wonder today? So let's pray together. Come on, let's just take some time. Put yourself in a place right now before we continue. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Help us right now, Jesus, to get through all the different stuff, all the the busyness of this morning and the excitement of being here. Would you help us to see where we're at in our soul right now? Just let Jesus do a little inventory for you in this sacred space. What are you feeling in your soul? Are you a little bit fearful about things in your life? Are you frustrated? Are you critical? Are you angry? Are you not happy, discontent? Do you feel anxious? Do you feel lonely? Do you feel just tired and dry? Come, Lord Jesus. Come. Come, Spirit living God. Jesus, we believe that you are alive. We need you. Come, Lord Jesus, and be the king of kings right now in this moment, in our soul, in our mind. Would you give us the same wonder that the disciples got to see today? Would you come and just break through the stuff that the evil one is trying to just put in our minds and our hearts right now to keep us from seeing you today. We need you, Jesus. We need you. Come and break through, Jesus. Come and win the battle in our minds. Come and win the battle in our souls and in our hearts. Come and lift us out of a place of being trapped in the wrong thinking. Come and save us from our own thinking. Come and save us, Lord Jesus, from places in our emotional being that is just hijacking us. Come and give us life. Come, Lord Jesus. We need you. We need you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Jesus asked them in this moment when they moved to joy and wonder, he says, do you have anything to eat? And they give him some fish, and the text says, and he ate it as they watched. I mean, that's incredible. Clearly, he's helping them see that he's not a ghost, that he's risen not just in spirit, but also in a physical body form. He's building their faith. Now, is it wrong of me to read a little into this that Jesus is having some fun here? I mean, he conceals his identity to the two dudes walking on the long walk, and then reveals his identity, and then poof, disappears, shock and awe. And then... 
he just pops into the room, kind of freaking out some people. Peace. And then he's eating as they all stare. I mean, could there have been a little smile on his face as he's thinking, my friends are freaking out right now. This is awesome. <laughs> or maybe that's just how I would be handling power like this if I was in his shoes. Maybe that's when I'm reading into this. Thank goodness I'm not God. Okay? Some of you, oh man, if you would have had the power, the stuff you would have done, you would have put these folks in a hospital with heart murmurs. Okay? The evil. No, the heart of Jesus is way more pure and amazing than my heart would be. The heart of Jesus in this moment is here to reinforce what he's been trying to tell all these folks from day one. The living God sees you in your suffering. He sees you in this room hiding in fear and guilt and in shame. The living God has come to be with you in your suffering, to join you in it, not to leave you alone in your suffering. The living God has endured all of your suffering at its worst forms, and he's overcome it so that you don't have to live in shock and fear, but you can have hope that in him you will overcome it as well. Jesus is showing them in every possible way, I am alive. Put all the tests to it. I have one. And now you are going to finally live. Together, we're going to win. This is the most excellent and glorious day of your lives, and it will drive and anchor the rest of your lifetime. This reality, you seeing me eating right here, this is going to anchor your life. The most glorious day starts with him breaking bread and eating food with those who doubted, with those who were embarrassed by him, with those who deserted him. Take that in. This in the Gospel of Luke is the tenth meal that Jesus has in the Gospel of Luke. Every meal in the Gospel is like a marker that just moves through the life and teachings of Jesus. Why? Because in this ancient culture, who you sat down and had a meal with was everything about your social status. You only ate with the people that you were able to align yourself with in the streets. You only ate with people who you were like, uh, that, that, repu that, that will help my reputation. This person will help my reputation. I will eat with them. But if they, don't, if they have a reputation I don't like, I do not eat with them. And so throughout Jesus' teachings, he just keeps getting in trouble because he keeps eating with the people who are marginalized. He keeps eating with the people who have screwed up. He keeps eating with the people who have made all the mistakes. He keeps eating with the people who have the least amount of stuff who don't have as much fame. He keeps eating meals with them. One meal, two meals, three meals, four meals. And here in the final meal of the gospel, he eats with the folks who deserted him, who betrayed him. In a room full of frightened, cowardly sinners, Jesus appears, peace be with you. Do you have anything to eat? I forgive you. I roll with you. We're all sinful, cowardly people who betray Jesus on a regular basis, sadly. We talk a good game at church, but often, outside of church, we don't choose to live the kind of life that honors Jesus. That's a betrayal of Jesus. Let's just be real clear about that. Talking a good game is one thing, but whatever life you choose is who you align with. And if you choose to live a life that doesn't honor Jesus, you're saying, yeah, Jesus is kind of weak and lame. I'm not living that life. 
We often choose not to associate with Jesus in public. We're all guilty of breaking the most important law of governing our humanity. Worship God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. We break that all the time. Now, if you break the law, you have to pay the penalty for breaking the law, right? So if your penalty is a 10, a five, let's say it's a five-year jail sentence. You walk into that jail, they shut the door. When you're sitting there day after day in the jail, how do you know when you have finally paid the penalty for all of your mistake? Well, you know it when they open the door of the jail and say, you're free to go now. The penalty for breaking the most important law in being human, worship God with your heart, soul, strength, and mind, the penalty for breaking that law is death. It's life sentence, no parole. It is death. And right here in this ancient kitchen, what Jesus is telling these original disciples, what he's telling all of us, is that he walked into the jail cell that was reserved for us. He took that sentence, that death penalty, but then he opened up a back door through his power and his love, and three days later he walked right out. And now that door's wide open to all of us. We are all guilty at some point. So at some point, we're all going to die. But it just means that we got to get fingerprinted and we got to get processed. We all are going to have to walk into that jail cell of death at some point. But those who have chosen to be a friend with Jesus, those who have chosen to every single day have a meal with Jesus, to say, I am with him, I align with him, we get fingerprinted and processed, and we walk in, and here he is, Jesus, with the door open to the back, and we walk right back out. His door is wide open. And he's ready to eat a meal with you every single day. At the end of this meal, Jesus then feeds their minds. He teaches them from his word. Oh, I would have loved to be a part of this Bible study. Verse 45 says, Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. We talked about this the entire month of January. A person who is alive in Jesus is alive in the scriptures. The scriptures become food for people alive in Jesus. They're no longer just religious duty or academic exercise. When we approach the scriptures with the risen spirit of Jesus, our minds are opened. All the wrong thinking is replaced with right thinking, particularly about the nature of Jesus and the purpose he has for our lives. We're reminded in the scriptures that we will suffer. As is mentioned here, Jesus had to suffer horrible things to get to the glorious reality that they are experiencing right here in this passage we're reading. We will suffer. There is no way around it. But if we suffer in Jesus, we will experience victory over that suffering. There will be eternal purpose redeemed from our suffering. That is what we are reminded of when we are in the Scripture. Those of us who put our allegiance to Jesus, who surrender our lives to follow him, we are to understand and experience his ever-present salvation and then witness that to the world. We witness to a great God whose immense love for his kids compels him to come to us day after day, to make a way through his own death to forgive our sins day after day, to free us from shame, insecurity, false pride, comparison, self-condemnation, and to live in the new reality that we are royalty. We are family with God himself God has chosen to be our friend. And if you don't believe that he wants to be your friend, look at the scripture. These dudes were in a place of betrayal of Jesus. And he appears and says, let me eat with you. Jesus wants to escort you to his parties. He wants his reputation to be that he is your friend. That like these women 
whose world told them that they are foolish, he tells the world, no, they're not. They're my friends. They're my intimate friends who are the first to know my business, who represent me to you. The message of Easter is that our root identity is not to be our pain, our mistakes, or our sufferings. Our root identity is that we are a friend to God, a God that is victorious over our pain and our sufferings. Can I get an amen? If that is not good enough for us to say Jesus being alive is the most supreme and glorious reality of realities, then to really knock us off the fence to start worshiping him, we are promised his spirit. We have been talking about this for the last two months. We are given his forgiveness. We are given the ability to overcome our sufferings. We are given a friendship with him. And then we're given his spirit today and every day to actually live in his power before we get to to heaven. And do you see this theme of initiative again? Jesus appears to the men who are confused, who are not in a great place of faith. He goes to them, doesn't wait for them to get all their stuff together. He appears to forgive them and eat with them. Then we are told, then, then he tells them, now just wait. He's like, don't do anything. You don't have to go through all these religious rituals, whatever. Just wait. And then I'm going to give you my spirit too, by the way. I'm going to give you my spirit. It's coming to fill you with great power. See, we don't grind our teeth and clench our fists and work so hard to prove that Jesus, we deserve Jesus. We just stop and we put ourselves in a place to receive him and his spirit. When the lies tell us that we are too dirty or too sinful, we stop to remember the truth and receive his forgiveness and his presence and friendship. When we feel weak and tired and unsure of what's going on or life gets too crazy, we don't go, oh, yes, God is doing this to me because I'm such a bad person. No, we go, I have been promised as a friend of Jesus, the spirit of Jesus, to overcome my my sufferings, so I'm going to ask for the spirit and wait for it to come. I was in uh, Texas a month ago, and I came out of a meeting, and I, I just walked into a baptism. I had no idea they were having a baptism. It was their teen group. Uh, and a ton of teens are all gathered around this little tank with water. And a young lady was in the tank getting baptized. And as I walk into it, her mentor, or I'm assuming is her mentor, says to her, in front of everybody, you are now forgiven by Jesus. You are loved by Jesus. And now you are given his spirit to live in his power. Uh, you to hear his voice and to heal the sick. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And man, just brings her back, and the water brings her out, and everybody's going nuts. I started going nuts. I cheer because I'm like, that's right, this 15-year-old gets the same spirit and power that these disciples got right now. She gets to hear the voice of God when she needs it. She gets to pray and change things in her reality through the Spirit of God. There's nothing else that deserves the same kind of passion and honor and worship than the resurrected Jesus who is just giving us his spirit, his very alive spirit every day. Oh, you know, when your eyes are open to the unlimited forgiveness, the unlimited strength to overcome suffering, the unlimited access to the spirit of God, it fundamentally changes how you live your life. I just got back last night from taking Maggie for a week away to celebrate our 20th wedding anniversary a year late because of COVID, all right? So it was, yeah, 
I decided early on in the marriage that I was going to do something big every 10 years for an anniversary. So we got away for our 10th and now our 20th, mainly because I was just like, I got to do a bunch of things to keep her hanging on. You know what I mean? When you, when you marry up, you just, you know, I'm like, all right, maybe this will keep another 10 years. You know what I mean? And then it allows me like in the ninth year to kind of slack off a little bit because it's like, you know, hey, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, trip's coming. So uh, uh, the day we leave, it's crazy, uh, obviously packing, finishing up work, getting our kids situated. We left our kids at home. Don't tell anybody. I want to keep that, you know. Uh, uh, <laughs> we had a lot of family and friends uh, around there with them. But, but, you know. I was obviously super excited. I had not been away with my wife without children in 10 years, okay? Uh, and uh, I was excited about that, but then I also kind of felt bad because I'm leaving my kids at home, and I'm literally last minute, I just impulsively decide to give Jaden and Sammy $100 each for food and whatever during the week that, they, that we're gone. Now, they will tell you that this was a shock and awe moment because this is not this is not the kind of dad that I am with money, okay? So I'm a very frugal man. I'm very strict to a budget. I don't buy them gifts. Um, I never take them to Walmart just randomly and buy them stuff for the dollar. I just never do that stuff. I don't give them allowance. Their allowance is the food that they eat and the roof over their heads. I'm that kind of a, I'm that kind of a dad, okay? Yeah, exactly. I just, it's just not, <laughs> it's just not who I am. So they're shocked and obviously happy. Now, I gave it to him separately because I didn't even see Sammy. I just left it in her room, and then I had to drive Jaden over, track me, and then get to the airport. So I gave it to him. And it's funny, uh, when I got back last night, we're catching up, and they responded very differently to this money. They were, <laughs> it was like, uh, Sammy, I just left on her bed. She thought that the $100 I gave her was for both of them for the week, and she's like, $100? And she was just like, I don't know. She just gives it to Jaden. I don't want to lose it. You just take care of it, right? So, Jaden knew that he got 100 and she got 100. He didn't tell her nothing. He was like, all right, I'll take care of it. So now, so now Jaden's got 200 bucks, right? And uh, I mean, you know, she looks go, and I'm like, you know, I come home and she's, and they're like, what are you, Sammy, because she hadn't seen me. She's like, what were you thinking? I'm like, I don't know. I got to be with my wife for a week. I just got a little crazy, okay? Um, so, but now Jaden has $200. I find out when I return home that Jaden went nuts, okay? In, in his own words, I asked him, I said, how was the week? And he looked at me, he goes, let's just say, Dad, I ate lavishly. <laughs> that was the exact word that he used. <laughs> this, this dude calculated that between his sports practices and going to get different foods all week, he averaged 13 miles on his bike a day, he had one day where he biked over 22 miles, okay, on his day. This dude was all over East L.A. with $200 eating lavishly, okay? Now, thankfully, he had enough integrity that he got Sammy food all week long as well. I mean, thankfully, he had that integrity. But I was thinking about that last night. And I just love the picture that was, I just kept this picture in my head of Jaden just riding over East L.A. What am I going to spend my money on now? You know what I mean? The money, like, fundamentally changed him. He said his legs were sore every night, right, because he'd just be riding that bike around. And he said, I just love the independence, man. I could just go, right? 
This is a picture of a person who is changed by a radical gift. The resurrected Jesus is sitting in this ancient kitchen eating food, telling them, just hold up and I'm going to give you my spirit. I'm going to give each one of you an unlimited platinum card. You will have access to my spirit, to all of my spirit, every single day. It will never, ever run out. Center your life around this gift. Take it and run. Ride your bike. Drive. Get on the bus. Whatever. Go and spend my spirit. When you are hungry for joy, spend on my spirit. When you are hungry for purpose, spend my spirit. When you need self-control, when you need generosity and hope, a deep sacrificial love for someone that is tough to love, spend my spirit. When you need courage to stand against the crowds that want to mock you and make you their puppet, access my spirit. When you need inner healing from trauma, pull out that card I'm giving you, and it will also always be approved. Every purchase, center your life on using my spirit. Change your plans. Do whatever it takes because I'm going to feed you so much better than what you can take care of yourself. Worship team, come on back up. The chapter ends, the whole gospel, it ends with these words. It says, Jesus raising his hands, he blessed them, and while blessing them, took his leave, being carried up to heaven. And they were on their knees, worshiping him. They returned to Jerusalem, bursting with joy. They spent all their time in the temple praising God. Yes. That is how the gospel ends. And it's the last chapter in the gospel of Luke that we are supposed to keep writing. We are supposed to join this train. We are supposed to say yes to a friendship with Jesus. We are supposed to say yes to receiving his unlimited spirit and just start spending and worshiping and praising, standing in the reality of all of our difficulties and all of our sufferings, not ignoring them, standing right in them and saying, we will overcome because I'm a friend of Jesus and I've got his spirit. And so would you stand with me, church? We're going to take some time to worship on this great and glorious day. The day that celebrates the most glorious reality of all realities. We're going to worship a Jesus who is alive. We do not follow the teachings of a dead person. We follow a real living God. His spirit always comes. Even when we don't deserve it. So I encourage you right now to ask Jesus for eyes to see his glory and his victory. I encourage you, just let your inhibitions go to finally worship what is worthy of your worship. Let it go. Sing yourself into his love. Sing yourself into hope. Sing yourself into strength. Sing yourself into royalty. Sing yourself into healing. Just sing yourself into the presence of your best friend, the king of all kings who is pouring out everything that he has for you. Come, Lord Jesus.
Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Spirit of living God, and speak as we sing. If you get a word for somebody, go and pray with them. If, if you know, as we sing, if you know that you just need to publicly receive Jesus as your Savior and your friend again, whatever, this spot right here, just come down here and just in front of your church family say, I'm worshiping Jesus right here. That's to say, I am yours. I receive your forgiveness. I will not look at myself with dirty and shame eyes anymore. I will not believe lies. Just come to this front and an elder or a leader will come and just pray over you. You can worship here as long as you want and then go back to your seat. This is a time for us to experience the greatness of Jesus. Let's worship, church.